it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. For anyone who thought I left, I never left. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Ricardo's done it. Holy mac and cheese balls. That's another podium. Ricardo somehow finds a gap there and he squeezed through Daniel Ricardo to take the lead. And for anyone who thought I left, I never left. Just moved aside for a while. He's back in Formula One at a circuit he's won at in the past. Welcome, everybody, to F1 Nation, which this week is unofficially rebranding as DR Nation because Daniel Ricciardo is going to be back on the grid in Hungary. It's good. It's really good. You know, I've, I enjoyed, you know, this, call it six months, six months off, and I think it was, it was really good for me. But uh, yeah, the more kind of races I started to attend, the more sim I started to do, certainly getting, getting, uh, getting the bug back, so to speak. And then um, jumping in the car a few days ago, I was like, oh yeah, it all felt very normal. It was, it was one of those ones, like the very first lap, I was like, oh, this is fast. <laughs> and then within a few, it's all, yeah, just, it's like, okay, I want to go faster now. So it was good, it's really good. You can hear more from Daniel on F1.com and on the F1 YouTube channel. But we're going to be getting the inside story on all of this from Red Bull team principal Christian Horner very soon. But for now, it's me, Tom Clarkson, two-time Hungarian Grand Prix winner, so close to being a three-time Hungarian Grand Prix winner, Damon Hill, and Pedro de la Rosa, who finished second at the Hungaro Ring back in 2006. Guys! Ricardo is back. What do you think? First, I want I want to hear Pedro say, for those of you who thought I'd left, I never <laughs> left. He's back. Pedro de la Rosa. Yes. Where have you been, Pedro? <laughs> I'm back. I, I'm back, uh, Damon, at F1 Nation. I'm back. I have mixed feelings, really, about uh, this return. I mean, obviously, extremely happy for Daniel. I think it's fantastic, really, to go come back, especially because it hasn't been that long that he was racing. So, and nowadays, uh, becoming a, a test driver, a reserve driver, if you stay there too long, you will never come back ever again because there's no testing. So it's good, for, great for him. Then on the other side, I, I feel sorry for Nick because uh, I, I've been in his position. Uh, I know when a team fires you uh, halfway through the season or some races to the end, and it doesn't really, it, it, it's just quite tough. One thing is to terminate a contract when the season is over. The other very different is when when you are still going through. But this is part of Formula One. It's uh, it's part of the story. But all in all, it's uh, great for, for Daniel. Yeah, I don't think anybody feels negative about Daniel Ricciardo coming back. I mean, he's such a personality. He's, he's, he's worked on that side of things. I mean, it's his natural kind of 
vivacious kind of self and his massive smile. I mean, I can remember the first time I came across Danny Ricardo was when I was president of the FIA, of the FIA. <laughs> that's a Freudian slip, isn't it? Um, president of the BRDC. <laughs> um, but, um, and he, we give, we were giving out awards and he was in Formula Three and this guy jumps up on the stage and he's got this smile the size of, you know, three feet wide across. And we thought, well, he seems to be enjoying life. And of course he's had his ups and downs with performance. I mean, he smashed Sebastian Vettel when he was at Red Bull and then uh, went to, uh, where did he go next? I can't remember, Renault, wasn't it? And then he went back to McLaren and it kind of never came together. And now he's, he has been away. I mean, he did leave. That's the, the truth of it. Um, but he's, he's got his mojo back to, for getting in a car. And now this opportunity has come up through, we're, we're, we're going to talk to Christian, I hope, about how that all happened. Because for someone to get into Formula One, someone else has to leave. So there's a whole story there, which we'll, um, we'll uh, go into because there are losers in this, which is uh, Nick DeVries was given his chance and now he's been given his um, P45. I'm fascinated by the timing of it. Why not wait? until the summer break at the very least give nick two more races quite why it has to be now seems to me uh, well let's hope christian horner can give us a few pointers on that but 10 races for nick de Vries. best finish of 12th in monaco he outqualified his teammate yuki sonoda twice in miami and spain does he deserve replacing? Tom, it's tough. You know, Pedro will confirm this. You, you give people a chance in Formula One. They either just, it's like a springboard for them. I mean, look at what happened to Max. You know, they, they hadn't got hardly any experience or something like Kimi Raikkonen or something like that, or Michael Schumacher. They come in, suddenly they're there. They are on top of it. And I'm afraid Nick, Nick had a fantastic debut, if you want to call it that, at Monza. And he was given another opportunity with uh, with uh, Fatari, but it looked like a struggle. And Helmut Marco's comments were that he was never really showing any pace or not showing the pace. Now, Helmut Marco is the hard man of Red Bull. He's the hard man of racing. He's the guy who picks the talent and he's the guy who literally picks up the phone and says, you're out. He does not have any sentimentality about his business. And we can talk to Christian about that because they are seen as a very tough team to be with. Lots of people have been there and fatal. So this is why it's particularly interesting that they've decided, it seems to me, to give Daniel Ricciardo a second life, which is which is almost unheard of. Well, that's the point, isn't it? That they're, they're not replacing Nick De Vries with the next Max Verstappen, as you've just been talking about. They're replacing him with a guy who's won eight Grand Prix. He's 34 years old. He's coming into the autumnal stages of his career. It's a completely different business plan for Red Bull. We've never seen this from them before. I mean, every, every team is different. Every team has their own way of uh selecting their own drivers of keeping of uh, so red bull has always been uh, very clear on their philosophy so i think this is uh, this is a clear move from red bull they've done it in the past and uh, we have to respect for uh, them for that because they've done pretty well in if you look in the last uh, 15 years so i just think that they also you know it is also good to bring daniel back because uh, it's not only that you bring quality you bring a guy with a fantastic past but also a great future and also you it's a kind of uh, way of measuring how good Tsunoda is 
you know, when I was uh, at McLaren, one of the reasons why they kept me together uh, with with Luis and they did tests with me and uh, just to they knew I was a known quantity. They knew how quick or how slow I was, and I had a I had a level. And then they brought Luis in, try to to know how much quicker he could be, you know, in a way, and uh, and and, and prove the, that he had a future with the team or not alongside Fernando Alonso in the 2007. So I think I think it's also a good measure of uh, where Sunoda is in respect. And do you think, Pedro, that this actually also is a warning shot for Sergio Perez in the big team? I, I don't think so, Tom. I, I don't think this, there is a strategy behind to say, oh, where, where is, uh, you know, we're bringing Daniel just to warm up for the future. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they know at this stage. It just very much depends on Daniel Ricciardo. But this is Formula One. It's a mental game. And whatever you do on a, on a race car and however or whatever special it is, what you can achieve on a Sunday, it will have a, an effect on your future, on uh, where you go. So I don't think it's the purpose of this change. It's just to put pressure on, on Sergio or, or bring him in. Uh, but I think for Daniel, you have to take every chance as it's your last race and uh, you know make sure that you bring back the keys, the car keys, but not necessarily the car and, and, and prove that you're back, that you are still have the speed. Because let's not forget that Daniel was very, very, very quick. He's had two very bad seasons at, for, uh, at McLaren. I would say that has uh, they have really impacted in his future, but he was absolutely stunning in any of the other teams he's been to. Pedro, we all know Daniel Ricciardo and we know what a competitor he is. And I don't believe he's come back to Formula One just to drive an Alpha Tauri, the team that is currently last in the World Championship Best finishing position so far this year, two tenth places. I think there has to be, not the promise, but at least the lure of a Red Bull seat in the future. Look, Tom, the, the reality in Formula One nowadays is that Formula One has changed very much from the past. In the past, if you are not uh, racing for a top team, you could take the test driver role and still uh, be active, uh, learn be in a top team and uh, if you were as quick as or quicker than the racing drivers had a little chance to come back you know nowadays it's a, a different story you you're a research driver a test driver in formula one is more a simulator driver than anything else so he's coming back i mean i would if I, I i would do the same you know i would come back no matter what team asks you to come back there's no bad teams in formula one any anyway and uh, you you can be bad this year but be very competitive the, the year after so you just have to come back because you need the mileage you need to be active you need to strengthen your muscles and be ready to perform if you are called on a more competitive team is it red bull in the future is it uh, whichever team I, I don't think no one knows no but uh, maybe maybe christian can can tell us otherwise later on pedro has been around and involved at the coalface, if you like, in teams. And he's seen the, the requirements for modern F1 drivers and he can tell you what's changed. I mean, is it is it possible that Daniel's been out too long? I mean, how, how much has changed in the time he's been gone? No, I mean, he hasn't been that long out. I mean, it's only, he's only been, what, a few months. Will he be rusty? Yes. Will he take the rust quickly off? Yes. There's no problem. I mean, of course, he will be painful. You know, he will have uh, neck pains and uh, stuff like that, you know, the day after. <laughs> but he's had the test also. So I, I think that is uh, it's good timing for him. 
Let's remind ourselves what Nico Hülkenberg was able to do at the start of last year when he subbed for Sebastian Vettel. He'd been out of racing for, well, at the time, nearly two years. And he came straight in and was on the pace of Lance Stroll immediately in the Aston Martin. So I think if he's if Daniel Ricciardo has still got it, he'll be up to speed very quickly. And I actually think if he doesn't out-qualify Yuki Tsunoda at the Hungaro ring this weekend, he will be disappointed. Well, I mean, it's not easy. It's not an easy sport. Huh? I mean, all these cars are very, very complex to set up. There's a lot of toys, you know, in uh, engine braking, brake migration, brake balance. It, it's not as simple as it used to be. Nowadays, you have to adapt to the car or make the car adapt to your driving style so i don't know you know sometimes you jump into a car and suddenly everything is working for you and you're super happy sometimes you jump into a car and let's not forget that he when he jumped into the mclaren he's he ne- was never felt comfortable with and they, he had a couple of years too I, i'm sure he will be very fast i mean there's no question you're when you're fast you're fast and you're fast forever Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Well, we're joined now by Red Bull team principal Christian Horner. Christian, thank you very much for your time. Let's begin at the beginning. Tell us the story. How did it happen? The great return of Daniel Ricciardo. Well, it all kicked off in a hotel room in Mexico last year. I had a meeting with Daniel and it was clear that he was going to, you know, his options for this year were going to be a bit limited. He he just looked pretty broken. And uh, I said, well, why does he come back to you know, to Red Bull for 12 months, out of the car predominantly, um, you know, help us with simulation work and a bit of tire testing and, uh, uh, you know, just come back into the fold and refine his his passion for the sport because it was clear that he, he wasn't enjoying things. And to be honest with you, I didn't really recognize a Daniel over the last couple of years that we've sort of grown, you know, so used to it, grown up with us. So, um, so that's where it started and... Um, he came in and drove the simulator the day after Abu Dhabi, uh, or a couple of days after Abu Dhabi. It was a complete disaster. He picked up every bad habit imaginable. He was working with his, his previous engineer, and, and gradually we unpicked it. And with each session, he just got better and better. You could see his confidence growing, and to the point that he was absolutely on the pace with, um, you know, with the with, with the race drivers, and so uh, the plan was always to put him in for that Silverstone test. We kept him very busy off off track activities, marketing wise, and and the test was you know was extremely impressive. What impressed you at the test last week? Well, it was a little bit like um, you know we tested him ten years ago. Uh, we were looking at you know who was going to be the right person uh, to replace Mark Webber, and you know Kimi Raikkonen was one of the favourites at that. Point and we decided to give both Carlos Sainz a brief run to run in a break set of breaks for Daniel to drive in the afternoon. Carlos went within a couple of tenths of Sebastian, and then Daniel went quite a bit quicker uh, when he when he drove the car. And what impressed me the most, I went up uh, to have a look at the test, was 
bearing in mind he hasn't driven you know this car hadn't been in a car for for several months um you know within his third or fourth lap we was down to a time that was within a second of what you know our drivers were achieving then his first proper run as it were on tires that were comparable you could see you know his confidence was growing and growing and and that first lap or probably what was his seventh lap you know of the day would have put him on the front row of the grid so uh was was hugely impressive what was going through your mind at that moment uh, I was just pleased to see that he, uh, you know, was still able to operate at that level. And you could see, yeah, I mentioned to him that would have put you on the front row of the grid. And you could see the almost the relief in his eyes and almost like the pressure release off his, off his shoulders that he could still do it. He, he, you know, he wasn't going mad. And uh, the old Daniel was still there. And then his long runs were very impressive. And the work that he did for Pirelli was, you know, you know was, uh, was, was absolutely uh, on the money. So when did the Alpha Tauri drive become a thing? When did it become a reality? Well, it was becoming uh, obviously difficult situation for you know for Nick DeVries, but there was a high expectation on him because whilst inexperienced in Formula One, he's obviously a very experienced driver. And I think that there was a, a general feeling that you know, Nick wasn't quite hitting the mark. And then the question was, you know, what are the options if we were to switch things around and from a Red Bull Racing perspective the most interesting option for me was to see you know how uh, how, how Daniel performed so uh, that was uh, you know that was the decision that was that, that was made it all happened pretty quick and uh, here he is for, for the Hungarian Grand Prix and what was Daniel's reaction when you told him excited I mean first of all he had to be clear that you know did he want to do it you know, stepping into an Alfa Tori is very different to driving a Red Bull car. Um, it will certainly have its have its challenges, and I think the thing that that we need to be sure is that was he up for that challenge? You know, scrapping to get out of Q one, and uh, you know he seemed more than happy to go back into that situation to get back on the grid and uh, be a Formula One driver again. Christian, great great to hear that story about how you met with Daniel in Mexico, and you kind of. It seems to me like you've thrown your kind of um, comforting arm around his shoulder, which is which is not really what we've come to expect of Red Bull. It's very much seen as the the hard man's team, you know, and you don't cut any slack. And of course, that's been evidenced by Nick's departure or very short tenure at uh, AlphaTauri. But what made you do that? I mean, is it because he's part of the family? I know he's got a huge profile. I mean, that's the marketing side of it is clearly something that he's got that that uh, Nick doesn't. But, you know, ultimately you do have to be quick when you get into the cockpit. Yeah, what, what you have to remember is, you know, Daniel had driven with us for five years. He'd won seven Grand Prix in that period of time, some incredible races that he'd, uh, and performances that he'd put in. And he'd spent three years driving alongside Max. The margins between them at, at that stage were, you know, were pretty fine. And so, you obviously, he made the decision to leave the team and go and explore other options that that didn't really work out for him. But I think that the the underlying, you know, talent was there. And I think you know, Red Bull has a reputation for being hard on its drivers. But you know, every driver needs a different scenario, whether it's an arm around the shoulder or or, or a different approach. And I think we take exactly the same approach with with Sergio. Um, you know, supporting him in his you know moments of difficulty as well. And so I think you know, the junior team can be. Yeah, there, there are very high expectations, but Daniel isn't a junior driver. 
Um, he's already proven himself uh, in, in the time that he's had with us. And therefore, it was just trying to make sure he rediscovered the form that we knew he was capable of. Christian, uh, I'm, I'm curious as to know how Daniel is uh, physically. You know, I mean, he's obviously fi been a few few months out of the car, and after the test, how how, how do you see him uh, heading to Hungary? You know, in terms uh, of uh, his physical condition. But he was in pretty decent shape. I mean, we put him, I think, pretty much a hundred laps around Silverstone. Um, so it was a, a a baptism by fire. He wasn't asking for um, the pads on the headrest. Yeah, and he's kept himself in 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 pretty good shape. You know, he's uh, he's naturally pretty athletic. He's kept his training to a standard. It's going to be a a tough one for him in Hungary, which is probably one of the hardest on the on the calendar. But I'm 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 sure he's in in good enough shape. Did you consider any other Red Bull young drivers to replace Nick De Vries? Someone like Liam Lawson? Yeah, I mean Liam's doing a great job out in Japan, and um, you know felt it was perhaps unfair to throw him into a situation where, you know, putting him straight into a into a car like that. So I think, you know, it made logical sense, subject to the test, you know, going okay for Daniel to step up into that cockpit. And of course, by that seven of the tests, he'd, he'd already confirmed that. You've got um, Checo as well, who has had his difficulties, let's say, for whatever reason. And, and he's been a bit of bad luck, but a bit of self-inflicted stuff as well. What is Checo going to be thinking when he sees Daniel Ricciardo? Yeah, Checo's had look a horrible run of Saturdays, five Saturdays in a row. He's not made it into Q3, and I think yeah, some of that, as you say, has been bad luck. Some of it's been a little self-inflicted, and I think you know, we're just trying to help him through that that period. He's still second in the World Championship. He's won two Grand Prix so far out of the uh, the ten this year, and he started the season in such great form. We just want to help him, you know, rediscover that form. And you know, Budapest is going to be a, a, a venue where you know, hopefully he can have a, a, a straightforward weekend. We've then got a, a, a sprint race in, in Spa less than a, you know, a week later, pretty much. So, yeah, hopefully Checo can rediscover the form that he showed in, in, in Jeddah and Azerbaijan that, uh, you know, where he was absolutely on the top of his game. So, Christian, what is the long-term objective with Daniel Ricciardo? If he does a good job for Alpha Tauri. Are you just going to keep him there in 2024 or are you going to look to bring him up to the big team or farm him out to another team? What What are you thinking? Well, I think that, you know, at the moment, there's only something in place to the end of the season. So uh, there's no no thoughts or expectations beyond that. Uh, we've learned him to Alpha Tauri to the end of the year. Obviously, our drivers, you know, are going to be Max and, and Checo again next year. But it's always good to have talent in reserve and I think Daniel is viewing Alfa Tori he's he firmly wants to be pitching for that 2025 Red Bull seat that's his goal and objective and by going to Alfa Tori I think he sees that as his best route of of uh, stating his case for for 2025. Christian may I ask uh, who told Nick about the news It's always uh, the difficult, the difficult moment. You know, I remember when I was at Sauber and uh, I was uh, coming into the Monster Garage, and everyone knew that I was not continuing except for myself. You know, so who was the brave one? It all happened a little quicker than expected. You know, bearing in mind that we hadn't completed the test, but um, you know, Helmut spoke with Nick, and uh, you know, he, he was the one that obviously had uh, uh, recruited him. He was the one that spoke with Nick about a lap 11 of the test, I think. 
Is it true, Christian, that you had your reservations about Nick DeVries right from the from the outset? Yes, I think that uh, look, Nick is a very capable driver and you know a Formula E champion and Formula Two champion, but uh, he's he, you know he's obviously got a lot of experience. He's not uh, a young driver as such from an age perspective, and I just didn't see how it fitted within the the junior program. It was uh, it it was always a you know, a stopgap. Just one one thing. I mean, we've got the Dutch Grand Prix coming up. Do you ever think along the lines of, well, we'll just let him do the, the home Grand Prix, maybe, or something like that before we, we, we move on? I think it's very difficult. To, you know, that would have meant, uh, obviously, leaving him in the car until after the summer break, etc. I think the situation was clear. It was a question of, okay, what's the point in waiting? If we're going to do something, we may as well get on with it and give Daniel 12 races to see, you know, what he's capable of. So just to be clear and to finish, Christian, it all happened during the test last week. Yeah. I mean, obviously before the test, there was some element of discussion with Daniel to say, look, if this goes well, would you be up for driving an Alfa Tori? Because, you know, things aren't quite going as we'd hope with with Nick. But would you be up for, you know, for that challenge? And he was, yeah, Absolutely. You know, that was, uh, he was prepared, if you like, to take a step backwards to try and take two steps forwards. Okay. And look, last one from us, Christian. We're going to Hungary. Max won there last year. Uh, You've got the chance to break a 35 year old record and take a 12th Grand Prix win in a row. Can anyone stop you? Look, there's there's always people and and things that can stop us. uh, we've had the most incredible run, you know, 10 Grand Prix this year, 11 in, in in succession, including the end of last year. Yeah, Hungary is a different challenge, much more medium speed. Qualifying can be tricky there with traffic and, and whatever else. It's going to be stinkingly hot. We're seeing different teams at different times making progress. McLaren came from nowhere. The previous weekend it was Ferrari. The previous weekend to that it was Mercedes. Um, so who knows, um, you know, who's going to be uh, the main challenger this weekend? All right, Christian, many thanks for your time. It's great to catch up and we will see you at the Hungara Ring. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Christian. See ya. So, Pedro, what did you make of that? Um, some interesting comments, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting, really, to. I, I think that, that the interesting uh, line from, from this interview really has been that nothing is set in stone or on stone. I don't, you know, it, it is... In, in Formula One, you don't get the call saying, "Look, you will be replacing Nick Debris uh, for Alpha Tauri in the next Grand Prix." I mean, there's always an evolving uh, situation whereby even a known quantity, a extreme, a race winner like Daniel Ricciardo is asked to drive the car, see how quick he is, if he's up to it, if he's motivated, and then take the the next step. You know, it is not like he gets the call and you will be replacing Nick Debris in uh, in Hungary. You know, you always have to prove yourself. You always have to prove the world that you still have the hunger, that you still have the speed, and that you can really do it. And you're as good as your last, not only as your last race, but also as your last test. And you have to always believe in yourself, always uh, keep testing, always keep uh, using the simulator. You could be replacing any driver in the next Grand Prix. And I think this is the the whole story of this uh, comeback from Daniel Ricciardo is that nothing was guaranteed. 
he was told uh, or he was asked uh, after he performed so well in the during the test uh, the lap 11 uh, christian said and th this is uh, what is really amazes me is that uh, formula 1 is like that everyone thinks there's a strategy behind and everything is clear and uh, you know we are thinking long term but sometimes uh, most of the time formula 1 is decided on a very short term notice and how significant is it that ricardo was what a second off the race drivers after three laps. I mean, how good a job did he do? Well, that, that is a good question, Tom, because, uh, you know, the test after uh, after a Grand Prix, normally the track, if it hasn't uh, been reset by rain, it's normally faster. I mean, how many times we've been in other racetrack where, you know, in, in Abu Dhabi, uh, for instance, where after the, the, the Sunday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, there is uh, this test, uh, Pirelli test or, uh, you know, young driver test. And the times have always been faster than pole position. Uh, so we have to be careful about this. But you always have to compare yourself against uh, the competitors. You know, in a, during a, a Pirelli test, you know exactly what tyre compounds you're running. So you also have to be very careful about how, what tyres are they, what, uh, you know, how much faster they can be potentially to the ones that your race drivers qualified with on, on, the, on a drying track on a Saturday in Silverstone. So there's many, many question marks. But at the end of the day, you have the data. The teams analyze the data. They know exactly. They have a benchmark. They do it in a very professional manner. But you always have to be careful, you know. A testing environment is a lot easier. Or I found it a lot easier when you have, you know, you have unlimited set of tires to come into the pits, try again, try again, uh, make mistakes, go wide, but you still always have another opportunity. It's not the same as in qualifying where you get one lap at the moment, last seconds of Q3, and you just have to deliver. It is a bit easier in, in testing. There's a lot less pressure. But he was fast uh, at the end of the day. I'm sure that his neck was gone. You have to build the muscles, and uh, no matter how many hours you do in a gym, when, whenever you, you, you sit up in a, sit in a Formula 1 car, after a few laps, you, you, you can feel your neck. That's 100% clear. A couple of things are sort of coming back to me, which I, I, I'm sort of going through in my head now. But uh, he did say something about Nick not being, you know, a young driver. <laughs> He's 28. He's younger than Daniel Ricciardo. But, um, you know, Daniel's got that track record, literally, you know, eight Grand Prix victories. And he's had experience with the team. And, well, you know, with both teams, but mostly with Red Bull. But um, so they know it's a known quantity. They, there's just something about this, which is, it seems to me, if this conversation started in Mexico last year, it's very unusual, I think. I don't know. I mean, when he, when Dan left, it was all a bit of a shock to Red Bull. But he left because he was basically, you know, you could see Max coming. And I think he didn't get that loving feeling. Now they're giving him the loving feeling to come back. He's still got to deal with, uh, you know, he's got to beat... Uh, Yuki Zanoda, and he's got to really hit the ground running pretty quickly. You know, um, he's going to have a massive mountain to climb to get back up to speed. It takes time, and, and as Pedro knows, you know, when uh, Alonso was was out for a bit, you know, it does. It's not easy to just jump back in. It takes a bit of time to get all the the neurons and the nerve endings firing again. Yeah, and I, I agree, Damon. I mean, there is this point that Daniel is used to the, the Red Bull because he's driven there for, for, I mean, how many years? He said five years, uh, five, six years uh, at the Red Bull team. So he knows the car. He knows very much the people, the simulator, the behavior of the car, all the engine toys. You know, he's used to them. 
he has uh, experience with the power steering of the car, which also gives all the feedback of the front tire, which is nowadays extremely important in a modern Formula One car. So uh, let's not forget that he's not coming back to Red Bull, a Red Bull car. He's coming back to an Alpha Tauri, which will mean that he will have to reset himself. The grip level will be different. How you feel the grip will be different. He will be driving the same engine, which is an important point. But uh, there, there's many things that he will have to readapt. It won't be an easy test like the Silverstone has been, you know, because he's going to find a new, a new environment. But he, he mentioned also that we are talking 2025, aren't we? If Dan Ricciardo is going to be back in the Red Bull main team, you know, so next year, you know, that's, that's still a long time to wait. And he'll be, he'll be 34. Five then, but that's not to say you can't do it. You know, I think experience counts for an awful lot in Formula One now, as um, Fernando has, has shown, and also Lewis. And you know, it's an enormously complex business, and it's quite difficult to get on top of if you just jump in. So it takes a few years, but um, ultimately, you still have to be quick. Yeah, but the good thing, the good thing, Damon, is that when you are racing in Formula One, and then suddenly you're out. And then you realize how good Formula One is, how much you want to come back again. Uh, it just extends your driving life. So I think that Daniel, he's currently 34, but he, he, he has proven that he wants to continue. He has proven that he wants to do it badly because if he has decided at his age and with his level of experience and a and, and, and number of races he's won that he wants to come back in an Alpha Tauri, it just proves that the, this guy has what it takes, really. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed when a driver of his caliber, well, you know, wants to come back uh, with, a, with a team that is not, is not winning. So final thoughts on this. How quick is he going to be at the Hungaro ring? Will Daniel Ricciardo outqualify his teammate, Yuki Tsunoda? <laughs> I'm going with yes. I'm going I've got with an yes. awful feeling it's a no. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I hope it isn't. I hope that, I hope that Danny has a, has a fantastic return and is the prodigal son who gets all the attention and, and the story is good. I mean, we always want the best. We don't want to see people, you know, suffer, but this is, someone has to pay the price. I mean, if he's quicker than Yuki, then Yuki suffers, you know? So it's, uh, it's a tough old business and, you know, you can't have two winners, I'm afraid, in this business. We'll see. It's going to be difficult to be faster than Yuki straight away. You know, he. I'm pretty sure Daniel will 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 strengthen himself and uh, and build on. But hey, it's a new team. It's a new car. It's not. Uh, it's not what he's used to be. You know, to drive. And uh, we have to be. You know, give credit also to what uh, how quick Sunoda is, and he's been driving this car for several years. So one step at a time. I think this is uh, not going to. It's not designed to happen in Hungary but uh, he will definitely be stronger and stronger as uh, as the ch- as the championship uh, goes and 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 let's not forget something mileage is very expensive it's very difficult and i think at the end of the day it's great for red bull to have a test driver that is active uh, in another team because he's usable at any point in any time uh, if anything happens so i think it's a, it's it's good for daniel it's very good for red bull Well, let's look at the bigger picture for Hungary now. Red Bull going for yet another win. But who are going to be their closest challengers this weekend? It was McLaren last time out at Silverstone. They made uh, what Christian Horner said was, you know, they came from nowhere. Do we think 
they're going to continue that form this weekend. Lando Norris isn't convinced. We do have a poor car, and I say poor. It's, I would say, pretty terrible in the, in the slow-speed corners. Extremely difficult to drive. You know, like, I, I feel if we... We're getting excited, and I, I accept that, but we're going to go to a couple of tracks coming up where uh, I'm sure people are going to be like saying, uh, what have you done now? Like, how has it got so bad all of a sudden? So good things have come from the upgrade, but uh, there's still plenty of things which are, are miles away from, say, competing in certain places with the Mercedes and then in, in, as a whole package competing even with the Red Bulls. So um, a lot more work to be done from, from both of those areas. Behind Red Bull, it really has been an extraordinary season. Just look at the past four races. Red Bull's nearest challenges have been at Silverstone McLaren. In Austria, it was Ferrari. In Canada, it was Aston Martin. And in Spain, it was Mercedes. I mean, throw a dart against the wall because who's it going to be this weekend? Yes, so it's very interesting. I tend to agree with what Landis said. I mean, sometimes drivers play down expectations when things are going well because they don't want the extra pressure but i do think that you can't compare hungary with silverstone silverstone is is predominantly a very fast uh circuit so the aero is working overtime once you get to a slower although it's got lots of corners hungary their corners are typically not that quick it's a slippery old circuit hot track and lots of 180 degree radius corner so that means you're in a corner for a very long time and the weight of the car these cars generate the 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 aero drops off quite quite a lot as you get to the slower speed corners and of course then the mechanical side of the car becomes a greater factor and if that's not so strong which is what lando seemed to be suggesting then it could be not as promising there for them but um yeah there's there's a hell of a lot to consider with these cars you've seen teams coming and going depending on circuits there's a lot of circuit specific performances going on with uh, something like williams you know in in the slippery tracks they're fine i'll be keen to see how they get on in hungary as well because they're not one the the, the car that you think is able to generate enough downforce and low speed grip and traction and stuff that you need in hungary yeah, I think it's, uh, it's uh, you know, when you listen to Lando, I don't think that he's actually trying to get the pressure away. It's just the fact that it's so close uh, between four or five teams now that uh, it's very circuit specific. We will go to a track and uh, there will be, a, you know, there could be Mercedes, it could be Aston, it could be uh, any 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 of, the, of, of these teams. And uh, we are talking about teams that can make it very difficult to make it into Q3 because we are talking at four or five teams, which is already 10, 12 cars over half of the grid. So it's difficult to know when you approach a track, how quick you will be. That's how tough it is. That's how close it is. And that's how great Formula One is at the moment. Every team knows how competitive they will be. Obviously, we know that Red Bull is uh, is, is, is the, the team to beat. But then again, it could be that Hungary doesn't play into their strength either. You never know. We have to do, uh, you know, as a team, the best possible job you have with the variables you can handle and, and make sure that if, if there's anything happening at the front that you, you will pick up the, the points. Pedro, with your Aston Martin hat on, do you think you guys will be closer in Hungary than you were at Silverstone? We should be, definitely. I mean, uh, we knew that... Uh, 
that, that Silverstone was never going to be our strongest. So we will go back to Hungary, uh, you know, a circuit which is uh, has more known con- type of corners where we were competitive in the past. And we will see. But uh, it's also fair to say that other teams have made uh, huge steps like McLaren. Um, and uh, we, we just have to, to concentrate on our development program and, uh, and make sure that we, we, we don't stop. And that's all we can do, really, is uh, just make sure that we, we make also improvements in the next few races. I'm excited to see what Ferrari can do. It was a pretty lousy weekend for them at Silverstone, but I think we saw in Austria and uh, Canada that they have made progress. They were too conservative, I think, with with strategy at Silverstone. And I think if Ferrari can make the right choices on the pit wall, I expect them to be more competitive through the slower turns of Hungary. Now, look, before we move on from Hungary, I'm very aware that I'm talking to two Hungarian Grand Prix legends. Damon, (laughs) two-time winner. Should have won in 97 as well. We all know that. Pedro, that amazing second place behind Jensen Button in 2006. Should have won as well. <laughs> uh, Pedro, the, the British TV commentators were a bit distracted by Jensen's win, of course, in 2-6. But here's how the Spanish commentators called it. Ole, Pedro, por fin. Ahí tenemos a Pedro Martínez de la Rosa. Tras tantos años en el dique seco, entre comillas, sin poder competir con un talento extraordinario con McLaren Extraordinario I've always thought of you like that Yes, and, and the Ole is also good Ole, yeah That is a, a template a Spanish template Yeah, great times, man I mean, what can I say? It, it just feels like if it was yesterday It was a fantastic uh, weekend to remember But life goes on, you know and uh, it just looks... Uh, too far away now for the people to remember still something that uh, i will in a way you know i always uh, you know after that race uh, the mclaren engineers looked at the strategy and uh, they said we should have won it you know because we took some wrong decisions uh, when the safety car came out when there was refueling uh, the safety car came out because of uh, of of kimi as well who was trying to move out of the way uh, letting me by and then he crashed with with a uh, with a Toro Rosso. I think it was Liuzzi. So anyway, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter if I won or not, if the team won or not. We finished in the podium. We finished second. It was my best result. And it was, uh, it's also fantastic to be in the podium as a, as a, a Formula One driver. It's not something that I was uh, dreaming of when I was a kid. So that was uh, fantastic. It was an amazing race. And when we're remembering it now, Pedro, we're not, we're not forgetting it. So it's not too long ago. But um, <laughs> how did you feel physically after that race? Because I was thought Hungary was one of the most brutal races that we did. I didn't do Singapore, obviously, but, uh, which is, looks even worse. I, I was looking at the, at the graph, my heart graph the other day when I was at Sauer in 2010. And uh, I finished seventh then. And I, my heartbeat was between 165 and 173 during the whole race, except for the safety car periods when I went to 140. So it was pretty high. Uh, It was pretty hot. But to be honest, for me, it was not a difficult one because as long as the drinks bottle worked and you could drink 1.5 liters, which is what the regulations say, that was fantastic. It was was okay. It was enough. It was no issue. There was a, a safety car was always welcome, I must say, I must admit. But it was not like Malaysia or Brazil. Or, or Singapore. I mean, Singapore was threat, 
terrible. It's one of the hardest. Even if it's a, a nice night race, you have no oxygen whatsoever. You're pulling the, the hand in the straights just to get a bit of air into the cockpit. So all in all, Hungary, it's a difficult one, but not, not that difficult uh, compared to others. And Damon, I'll never forget you and me sitting in a tapas bar in Madrid with Juan Pablo Montoya. This is years ago now. And you were telling Juan Pablo that you didn't do karting. You were racing motorcycles at the time. And Juan Pablo looked at you and said, well, Damon, if you never karted, how and why were you so good in Hungary, which is a which is just like a grown up kart track? Can you explain why you're so good? It was, he was baffled. Um, well, it is like a car track. I loved it. I just thought it was one of these places that I could sort of maneuver the car and 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 drift it and and uh, get a balance and stuff. So it suited my style. And I think also from racing bikes, what you have is a a much greater power over the contact patch than you have in a car. So you've got quite a lot of horsepower going through a very small contact patch, and then you're leaning over as well. And so I got used to using the power to balance the car, and and that's what you get in in Hungary is you've got an opportunity to reach the limit of traction at the rear and use that. So you're, thr- you're balancing on the throttle as much as anything else. And I just, it just suited my style. And, um, yeah, I had some fun and the, the, the arrows race there, which, um, I nearly won, which you mentioned before, uh, the car was just so brilliant. <laughs> it was, the handling was fantastic, but then I had Bridgestones and everyone else had Goodyear. So I had slightly unfair advantage, but it was fun while it lasted. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the track. Now let's move on to, well, I think it's our favourite part of the show. It's Ask the Nation. And this is where you put your questions to the F1 Nation team. Email them to f1nation at f1.com or you can send them to me on Twitter. I'm at Tom Clarkson F1. We've been inundated this week, guys. Let's start with this one from Siwi Kiwi, who asks, what does Daniel have to do to be considered for a Red Bull drive? What are Red Bull and Helmut Marco's expectations for him? What you need to do is uh, is be faster than your teammate in this sport. The only way of uh, getting back into a Red Bull drive is just to blitz the opposition and uh, your teammate is your first rival. So that's what he needs to do. It's not a given after that, but uh, if he doesn't do that, uh, he, will, he will not uh, be able to drive the Red Bull for sure. All right. And finally, uh, let's go to this from Greg Rust. Hello, Rusty. It's great to have you email the show. Now, Rusty says, G'day, mate. Uh, As an Aussie, I'm so excited Dan is back, but I spend a bit of time in New Zealand and the mainstream headlines there are all about how Liam Lawson was overlooked. They want to know what this means for Liam. And uh, I guess this is the Aussie-Kiwi sporting rivalry again. What does it mean for Liam? It's, it must be very frustrating. You're trying to get a break. You're ticking all the boxes. You're, you're a reserve driver or you're a test driver. And then, then somebody comes along and sort of parachutes in from above and they've, you know, they've not gone through. They're not lined up in queue, if you like. But, I mean, definitely Danny Ricciardo has got all the advantages that someone like Liam Lawson doesn't have right now. That's really tough. I understand that. It is more difficult to change the guard at the front end of Formula One, but Liam will get his opportunity. I'm absolutely certain of it, though, because uh, the indicators are good for for Liam, uh, as from what I've seen anyway. He's won three races uh, from six in the Super Formula Championship in Japan. He was third in FIA Formula Two last year, ahead of Logan Sargent. 
I would say his best chance, uh, Rusty, is if Yuki Tsunoda gets outperformed by Daniel Ricciardo over these remaining 12 races this year, I would say there's a very high chance that Liam could be in the second Alpha Tauri next year. That's what I'd be thinking if I was Liam, trying to put a positive spin on it for him. All right. Thank you, everybody who wrote in with questions for Ask the Nation. On these preview shows, we always will include as many of them as we can. But that's it for this week. Pedro, Damon, thank you very much for your time this week, guys. Let's do some podium predictions for Hungary this weekend. Go on, Pedro. Is anyone going to beat Max Verstappen or is he is he? Actually- I, I don't think so. I, I think that the, they are the clear favourites and it's not only about Max. I think also Checo will be very strong there. So clearly the, the guys to beat uh, again in Hungary. Uh, they are very consistent as well in all the type of tracks, type of corners. They are, they are super, super efficient. So they are the, the benchmark. I agree to some point. Obviously, Max, I think Checo will be, will have a good weekend. I hope he has a good weekend. But I think, let's say Charles Leclerc is um, second and Checo is third. How about that? With a Max win. With a Max win, obviously. With, that goes without saying. And that will equal, and it has to be said, to break that record of con- consecutive wins in Formula One history, you know, that is an all time record. So I think this is going to be an all time record season. There's certainly going to be no shortage of motivation at Red Bull this weekend. The lure of breaking the record for the number of wins in a season for the team. Max Verstappen wanting to pulverise the opposition, continue to do that. So yes, it's hard to see anyone beating Max. I think best of the rest this weekend is going to be Ferrari. I'm going for Charles Leclerc. I think he's very good on this sort of track. And let's let's put a Lando Norris up there. I think the McLaren upgrades are going to be better than he was telling us earlier in the show time now to tinker with our f1 fantasy team f1 nation racing and a little bit of behind the scenes news for you because the team who work on f1 fantasy tell us that daniel ricardo will be available to pick for your team this weekend so we'll be bringing him in as soon as we can. And remember that drivers score points if they get driver of the day. And Daniel's got to have a good chance of that in Hungary, whatever he does in the car. We'll keep Verstappen, Alonso and Norris in our race seats. We'll swap out one of Albon or Ocon for Ricardo. It depends on how much the Honey Badger costs. And we'll tell you what we did on next week's show. The battle at the top of the F1 Nation World Championship is incredibly close. The top five teams are covered by just 51 points. The dam must hold, remain in the lead, but will they still be there after Hungary? We shall see. You have until qualifying on Saturday, that's this Saturday, the 22nd of July, to make changes to your team. It's totally free to play and you can join our league at any time. Just search F1 Fantasy and the F1 Nation World Championship. Well, guys, thank you very much. We will speak to you both again very soon. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. I, I'm not in Hungary, but uh, have a nice time. Don't get too hot, guys. I think if, if I were you, I'd take an inflatable paddling pool. There's <laughs> normally one of those in the paddock in Hungary, isn't there? Anyway, we'll do our best. Look, that's it for F1 Nation this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And please look out for new episodes of F1 Beyond the Grid and Formula Y this week. And F1 Nation will be back next Monday from Budapest with our review of the 2023 Hungarian Grand Prix. F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. <laughs>